We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com. This is the LakersNation.com podcast. We are going to be breaking down the Lakers and their situation heading into the NBA trade deadline. It's coming up February 10th, so I'm going to devote a lot of this show to trade talk, discussions of where things are at. But before we get into that, you might be a little bit confused right now. You see, typically when we do the LakersNation.com podcast, it comes at you in the form of our live post-game show which is kind of how things have just naturally evolved over the years. I've been doing this podcast for a long time now, five plus, maybe six years at this point, which is crazy, blows my mind. I'm going to have to go back and look and see exactly how long it's really been that I've been doing this show. But one of the things that the show has kind of evolved into is sort of a question and answer session with fans after games, which is great. It's a lot of fun. By the way, a great reason for you to subscribe to the LakersNation.com YouTube channel if you're not doing so already. If you're listening to the podcast version of this right now, if you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever, we certainly appreciate you following us there. But also subscribe to the YouTube channel. Turn on notifications. That way you get notified as soon as we go live. And we do that after every single game. We go live and we talk through everything that just happened in the game. We celebrate wins. And, of course, we also comfort each other during losses. Sometimes it turns into a giant, like, group therapy session where people get to come in and vent a little bit. And by the end, we usually feel a bit better about our Lakers. We break down rumors and news, all sorts of stuff. But it also involves a lot of fans directly asking us questions via the chat. And so we get to get into a lot of their topics, but it's also very quick. We hit topics quickly and then we move on because that's just the pace of the show. And we kind of lost the longer form podcast, true podcast style show. And so that's something that we're bringing back here. And so happy to say that you're going to be getting more podcasts. That's the bottom line here. Doesn't mean that anything is going away. Everything's staying the same. In fact, all you're getting is more Lakers content. Obviously, I'm putting this out on the YouTube channel as well. But this will also be going out, of course, 
as a podcast on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, everywhere that you can listen to podcasts. So I'm going to be bringing on a lot of different guests and things like that. People from uh, the LakersNation.com staff. Of course, we think about Ron Gutterman, Matt the Optimist Peralta, everybody else, Chris the Masterpiece Masters, all the people that, that you love to see on here. But we're also going to have some people coming in from outside as well outside the LakersNation.com staff. We'll have some surprise guests, but I thought to kind of re-kick this off, we would start, well, the way the show originally started, solo, just me. In fact, this is how the Lakers Nation podcast originally came into existence. It was just me doing a solo show. I was wrapping up games, and I was literally talking into my phone. Didn't have a microphone or anything like that. Just talking into my phone. That was the earliest iteration of the LakersNation.com podcast. It is terrible. I think, I think that I have scrubbed all proof of its, its existence from the internet at this point. At least I'm hoping. <laughs> at least I'm hoping. But in any event, solo show today, I'm going to break down a number of different topics, including the Lakers and their trade situation. I do want to get into the mindset going into the trade deadline, which is coming up February 10th, because I think this is important from the fan perspective. But before I get to that, we got to talk a little bit about the news, and that's Anthony Davis. This is the big story, of course. Anthony Davis, we're expecting him back against the Brooklyn Nets. It's tomorrow, or you're probably watching this tomorrow, which means it'll be tonight, as it were against the Brooklyn Nets, Anthony Davis have been upgraded to probable. What does this really mean from the Lakers? I've seen the national discourse a little bit talking about, does this even matter for the Lakers? Does this even matter that Anthony Davis is coming back? Is this actually going to help the Lakers? Are you kidding me? Does this even matter that Anthony Davis is coming back? I don't know. The guy's just scoring 23 points, 10 boards, two blocks per game. Does it matter that he's back? Of course it matters. At his best, and he hasn't been there this season, but when he's at his best, he's one of the best players in the NBA. Now, it's fair to look at Anthony Davis and say, well, he hasn't been truly himself this season. We set that bar super high for AD, right? After they won the championship in 2020, everybody said, oh, that's okay. That's it then. There's peak Anthony Davis. Now let's. Now we need to sustain that. Anthony Davis was a destroyer of worlds in Orlando, winning the championship. He didn't look just like a star-level player. He looked like a league MVP. He would be in that discussion if we just got that version of Anthony Davis all the time. Problem is, we haven't gotten that version of Anthony Davis since then. We've been getting highly injury-prone Anthony Davis, a guy who's been bouncing in and out of lineups, a guy whose jumper has gone missing. He's shooting like 17% from three for this season. So it's fair to question how big of an impact Anthony Davis makes, but he's still one of the best players on the team. And I also think when we look at scheme, this is where it's going to matter. Beyond just Anthony Davis is a good player, and the more good players that you have, the better you're going to be. Look at what the Lakers have done recently. Look at what they've shifted to. Small ball. What is Anthony Davis best at? Right? Like if you were to, to plug him into any particular situation, what is it that really allows him to elevate a team? It's going small. Why? Because he's a cheat code on the defensive end of the floor. How did the Lakers get wins in the playoffs in 2020? Mostly by going small with AD at the five. Because that allows you to still run a very versatile, very switch-heavy defense, which Frank Vogel loves, and still have size and rim protection in there. Now, again, I think we can quibble over AD's rim protection abilities this season. Have they quite been on par to what he was in the past? Probably not. Probably not. And that's okay 
But the bottom line is Frank Vogel recently has been going to small, but to the point where, where LeBron James has been running center. And he's been doing that not just for the offensive spacing, but because defensively that lets you switch everything rather than doing what we've been seeing when Dwight Howard is in and DeAndre Jordan is in, and that's running drop coverage. That means you get put in a pick and roll, your five, your center gets put into, into a pick and roll situation. And what do they do? They drop into the paint. They give up the 20-foot jumper trying to stop the penetration to the basket because they're not quick enough. If they really show out on the guard, they're going to get blown by, and then your defense is in scramble mode trying to stop a direct drive to the rim. That's not what you want. With Anthony Davis, though, the beauty part of him on the defensive end of the floor, and there's a lot of them, but one of the beauty parts of him on the defensive end of the floor is that he can switch onto, if you put him onto a one, he can do that. Not every single possession. You're not going to have him guarding point guards all the time, but he can switch onto a guard and handle it competently because he's got those quick feet. He doesn't move like a big man. He doesn't move like a big man. And so Anthony Davis defensively, I think is going to matter quite a bit for the Lakers because instead of, Frank Vogel, which he's been doing a lot lately, turning to this small ball lineup with LeBron at center so that he can, number one, have more spacing on offense, and number two, be more able to switch on defense, particularly blitzing the ball handler. Instead, you're going to have Anthony Davis in there. What does that mean? That means you're going to have a true rim protection threat. LeBron's been blocking more shots, by the way, this season than he has in previous seasons by a lot. By a lot, almost double per game in terms of averages, which is great. Part of that is because he's been that last line of defense, so he's been called upon to block more shots this season. But I don't look at LeBron and think, man, that's that's a true rim protector. LeBron can do a lot of things, but it's probably too much to ask him to really be a no-fly zone, put a lid on the basket type of rim protector. Anthony Davis can do that. He can. Now, I'm not saying he will, because we haven't quite seen it this season, but he certainly offers more rim protection, more on the glass, more size than LeBron does, right? So I think defensively, allowing yourself to still switch quite a bit while having size is what Anthony Davis brings to the Lakers on the defensive end of the floor. So I think you are crazy if you were looking at AD and you're saying, eh, maybe he doesn't really help the Lakers all that much. Of course he helps the Lakers. Of course he does. He will make a difference. Now, will it ultimately lead them to a championship? Well, that's a question that I'm going to get in our mailbag section in just a bit. But Anthony Davis coming back, it's a great thing for the Lakers. Let's talk trade. So Taylor Horton Tucker is the main trade chip that the Lakers have right now. And I've seen a lot of fans who are already, you know, firing off all kinds of different fake trades. And look, I love this time of year. I love it. I, I enjoy it. I enjoy all the rumors. I enjoy all the different possibilities we can break down. It's part of why I love free agency so much too. For some people though, I get it. I see fans that get frustrated. Fans out there get frustrated with all of the different rumors because they just want something to happen. Me, I love getting lost in all the endless possibilities of what could take place. Breaking down, oh, they can do this with the salary cap. I don't know, wait, they can go, what if they go this route instead? What if they loop in a third team and they go this? There's all sorts of different things that you can see happen, but not everybody is into that kind of stuff like I am. They just want to see big move, get it done, make it happen. I understand. And then they get frustrated when it doesn't. And I would say going into the trade deadline and just as going into free agency, approach it as though nothing is going to happen. 
I think for your own sanity, if you're one of those people who gets frustrated by the trade deadline, approach it as though nothing is going to happen. Then, number one, you're going to be pleasantly surprised if and when it does happen, and then you won't be terribly disappointed if it doesn't. And particularly given the Lakers' assets right now, yeah, it's probably the best bet that nothing major is going to happen here, and it won't be for a lack of trying. We know that. The Lakers, they're going to leave no stone unturned. This is what Rob Blinka does, right? They get involved in everything, all the discussions. They're calling everybody. It's all we've heard from around the league. But to assume that they're going to swing some big franchise-altering deal, landing a savior in Los Angeles, something that's going to turn the season around, I wouldn't bet on that happening. I wouldn't. But that doesn't mean the trade deadline can't offer some opportunities for the Lakers. I would just caution. A lot of people right now are looking at the Lakers and saying they have to do something. They have to do something. You have to fix this. They're a game below 500 right now. This team's supposed to be a championship contender. Trade, do something, fix this right now. And I understand that urgency, but guess what? 29 other teams are also looking at the Lakers going, huh, they need to do something right now. That gives us all the leverage. What makes you think any other team in the NBA is going to want to help the Lakers right now? No, right now they're circling the Lakers like vultures thinking, can we fleece this team at the moment? The John Wall for Russell Westbrook talks. We're going to get into that. But John Wall for Russell Westbrook, the Rockets saying, yeah, yeah, okay. We consider doing that. The money's exactly the same. We can pay Russell Westbrook to stay at home just like we can pay John Wall to stay at home. Oh, but wait, we want your 2027 first if we're going to do that. That's the Rockets trying to prey upon the Lakers' desperation. Wasn't that long ago that John Wall needed to get a first attached to him in order to get Russell Westbrook. Now, those are different times. The situation has changed. But teams are not going to let the Lakers get a steal here, especially if they can avoid it. They're going to do everything they can to try to fleece the Lakers in this situation to use that desperation to get a move done against them. So... People look at the Lakers right now and you say, oh my gosh, this can't get any worse. It can. It can, just like stocks. Just like stocks. When people look at a stock and they say, oh, well, well look, look at how low this stock is. They just, it, We need to buy this. It can't possibly drop any lower. Yeah, it absolutely can. And it does all the time. It happens. So when you look at the Lakers and if they don't make a move, flip it. Look at the glasses half full approach and say, you know what? Doing nothing is better than doing a bad deal. A bad deal could set this franchise back even longer. They have to be careful. Like I said, the vultures are circling. There are teams out there that will look to use the Lakers' desperation against them. So if the Lakers don't pull a move, don't necessarily consider that a loss. Because you can make the situation worse with the wrong trade. The only thing worse than no trade in the Lakers' situation is a bad trade. So you got to be careful. Try to make that your mindset, all right? Just, just that little PSA before we get into all this. But Taylor Horton Tucker, he's the main trade chip that the Lakers have. Maybe not the most valuable one, but he's the guy that's got to be in pretty much every deal. $9.5 million, that's his salary this season. Lakers signed him on a three-year deal. The third year of that deal is, is a player option. So he'll have the ability to go somewhere else after next season if he so chooses. However, we got news today um, coming from The Athletic that the Rockets would have been more interested in THT on his previous contract. Now that he's been paid and he's the fourth highest paid Laker, they're not as interested. 
But here's the thing. It's not like THT got paid $20 million a season or $25 million. It's not like they maxed him. He's got a deal at about $10 million-ish, right? Nine and a half. He's about 10 next year. That's, that's about league average. You're talking about a mid-level exception deal, essentially. That's what THT got. And you still have teams out there that might look at him as a negative value on that contract. Tells you what kind of season it's been from THT. And so much of his value right now is attached to his shooting percentages, which was not, which have not been good. He's in the low 40s in terms of field goal percentage. Uh, he's shooting, what, 25% from three? That's not going to get the job done for Taylor Horton Tucker. Um, that's not what the Lakers need at this moment. They need a guy who's much more efficient. Now, of course, we, we have to note that, all right, he, he tore a ligament in the thumb of his shooting hand. How much did that impact his ability to shoot the basketball, especially after last season uh, when we knew that going into the summer he was going to put in a lot of work? How much was that work undone by this injury that happened in, in preseason? How big of an impact did that have on him? So that's something the Lakers have to factor in. Do they believe that 42% from the field and 25% from three is simply, simply is what THT is right now? Because if it's not, they could be selling low on him, which is not what you want to do. Again, stocks. You want to buy low, sell high. The Lakers would probably be doing the opposite here with Taylor Horton Tucker. Something to consider. It doesn't mean you don't do a deal, but if you're the Lakers and Frank Vogel has been saying consistently, hey, we believe in him. We believe that his three-point shooting is going to be a weapon for him moving forward. Great. But that would suggest that you're probably not going to get the value that you want right now at the trade deadline, not when he's shooting 25% from three. Teams are going to try to pay you based on what he's producing at the moment and not what you think he can do at some point. Now, for the Lakers, maybe that doesn't matter. Maybe they are in such a hurry to try to get something done right now because they need to win right now because LeBron's 37 years old and he's performing like an MVP but getting no recognition for it, or at least not as much as he should because the team isn't winning. They don't have time to wait for a young guy to figure it out. So they have to decide, is THT going to get better this season or is this a next year kind of thing? Because that might determine what they do with him. And if you've got teams around the NBA, say you've got a handful of teams that look at THT as a negative value on his current contract, that probably takes them out of the running for any kind of a trade. So THT is very much an eye of the beholder kind of player. Some teams will really like him. Some teams will be really into his skill set. 6'4", 7'1", wingspan. You've heard me say it a ton of times. This is a guy who has a really intriguing skill set, can handle the ball a little bit, can pass a little bit, can do a lot of things, crafty finisher around the basket. He's strong. All of this stuff. These are all interesting skills for an NBA player, and some teams will sell themselves on that. Other teams will say, nah, he can't shoot. Not interested. Negative value on that contract. That's going to limit your options right there. Then add in the fact that your other contract that you have to stack into any kind of a deal is Kendrick Nunn who has not taken the floor for the Lakers all season. Obviously, the Lakers trade package would look a lot better if Kendrick Nunn had been playing and playing well all season. He's averaging, say, 15-ish points right around what he was with Miami. Then the Lakers trade package would look better. If THT, what if THT never tore the ligament in his thumb and he was shooting 45% from the field and 33% from three? Still a little bit below league average, but if he's putting up those percentages and he's averaging, like, say, 14 points per game, 
we're talking about a very different trade market for the Lakers. Unfortunately, you've got two very depressed assets in Kendrick Nunn and THT. By the way, I've got some questions on Kendrick Nunn in the mailbag that we're going to get to. So for the Lakers, it's a matter of figuring out how much value do these guys actually have. You can add that 2027 first and go after a guy like a Jeremy Grant, but let's assume you're not going to get Jeremy Grant, which by the way, Eric Pincus mentioned that sounds like the Lakers might not really be in on that. So if you're not going to get a Jeremy Grant, you're not going to get a Miles Turner, you're not going to get one of the big names that's out there on the market right now. How far are you willing to go? How low will you go in order to get help right now? The word got out that the Lakers are a team that other teams, this is from Mark Stein, other teams are expecting the Lakers to have interest in Terrence Ross. Well, the Lakers have had interest in Terrence Ross for years. So it's a pretty good guess, right? That the Lakers would have interest in him again. But would you part with Taylor Horton Tucker to get him? We've heard through the grapevine, Lakers Nation colleague Ron Gutterman shared with me that he's heard from some people, and this is very much conjecture here, but heard from some people who would know that the Magic are indeed a team that likes Taylor Horton Tucker. Okay, great. If that's true, maybe there's something that can be built there. But are you willing to part with THT to get Terrence Ross? Below average shooter from three. Pretty good breaking down his man off the dribble. He's a guy who can create his own shot. His percentages, by the way, probably would go up on the Lakers. You'd have to imagine. His percentages would go up on the Lakers because he'd be getting more open looks than he does on the Orlando Magic. Currently averaging 12 points. 12 points, 41%. I'm rounding up to get him there from the field. 41% from the field, 31% from three. Doesn't sound like a guy that you want to really go all in on, right? He is... 31 years old on February 5th. Got a birthday coming up. So by the time you trade for him, he could be 31 years old. Is that a guy that you want to surrender assets for? Now, maybe there's other things you can work out with Orlando. Maybe like Mo Bamba. That's a player certainly to be interested in. Could you package together THT, Kendrick Nunn, maybe a veteran, do some package for Terrence Ross, Mo Bamba. Maybe you've got to add in some more stuff from the Lakers side. We'll see. Maybe that's something you'd be interested in. Do the Magic see Mo Bamba as a guy that they don't want to pay this offseason? His contract expires. If they do, maybe they're willing to part with him. Maybe the Lakers could get in on something like that. And I'm totally speculating here. But for me, the Lakers have to evaluate what they're willing to give up THT, Kendrick Nunn, and that first-round pick for. There has to be a stop. Right? We've heard they're, they're shopping that package all over the NBA. But there has to be a level of player where they say, eh, it's not worth it. If it's Jeremy Grant, sure. Right? Sure. Okay. Let, let's do that. Because this is a guy that can fit long term. This is a guy that, that fits in in a lot of different systems, whether we want to go big, small in the future, whatever. Okay? Okay, let's go for Jeremy Grant. You could talk yourself into Miles Turner. You could talk yourself into a number of different players, but you also have to be really careful. What's your cutoff? At what point do you say the return that we're getting right now in the present isn't enough to sacrifice whatever future Taylor Horton Tucker has? And let's also not forget Kendrick Nunn. This is a guy the Lakers were really high on coming into the season. He's the one player that got their mini mid-level exception. They had one guy, one guy they could use that bullet on. And they chose Kendrick Nunn for that contract. They believed 
that he was going to bring them things that were going to help them on a nightly basis, and they haven't seen him at all this season. But that also doesn't mean that his value is zero to the Lakers. A lot of people look at this. I see Lakers fans throwing him in as just a contract, out of sight, out of mind, they don't give him any particular value. And I don't know that's how the Lakers see him. It depends whether or not he's back, right, in time to really make an impact. We don't know. This bone bruise in his knee, it's a strange thing. And Frank Vogel has talked about how they, they keep trying to ramp him up and the soreness in his knee ramps up at the same rate. That's not good. But if the Lakers believe he's going to be back, I don't think they look at him as just a just $5 million. Like, that's just what he is. I think they will give him some value in the deal as a player too. So how much value does Kendrick Nunn really have to the Lakers? How much value does THT have? That's something we have to factor in when we're looking at the trade deadline, right? What, what kind of value do these guys have? Is a Terrence Ross enough? What about Eric Gordon? That's another name that's out there. And the Houston Rockets are a team that is willing to make moves. There was a piece that came out from The Athletic today where they were basically painted as this team that's kind of letting the calls come in. They're not too worried about making a deal and all that. That's this time of year. That's this time of year. That's a team trying to paint themselves as one that's not desperate to make any kind of move. Because remember, if you're a team that appears desperate, teams are going to try to take advantage of you. You want to be that team that says, well, we don't really want to make a trade. We really like all of our guys. We just want to keep them. If you have any interest in them, you're going to have to come with a strong offer. That's the, the type of aura that you want around your team, right? That's what you want the message to be. So the Houston Rockets had a piece come out today that made it sound like they're not all that interested in swinging a deal. But we know, we know, Eric Gordon, veteran player, the Rockets are, are full rebuild mode. They're one of the worst teams in the NBA. Yeah, they'll, they'll trade him if the right offer comes along. They're just waiting to see what the right offer is. He's having a great season shooting the basketball, um, shooting like 45% from three, which, yeah, that's, that's unsustainable. But the bottom line is Eric Gordon's available. If you're the Lakers, would you part with THT, Kendrick Nunn, and the first to get Eric Gordon? Would you do something like that? And that would even involve... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And taking on some salary. Another thing to keep in mind, the Lakers are way over the cap. They're way over the cap. So are you willing to bear that luxury tax that's going to come with it? So if you take back any extra salary, let's say you take back an extra $3 million in a deal. Guess what? That $3 million is probably going to be more like $12 plus million just in luxury tax payments. Are you willing to do that for a player? So there's a lot of different factors here. But for the Lakers, it's ultimately deciding 
what are we willing to part with our main package for? And let me throw something else out there. Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer mentioned this deal. This is, this is not him reporting this. This is him making this up. Um, but it makes some sense. We've heard about the John Wall for Russell Westbrook thing. Right? We've heard about this. That the Rockets are the one team, the one team in the NBA right now, that are willing to do a deal to get Russell Westbrook. Not because they want Russ. No, not because they want Russ, but because John Wall's contract is the same. And they look at it as, well, if we're going to pay John Wall to sit at home, why is it any different to pay Russell Westbrook? Now, there was some word that came out today that perhaps, perhaps Russell Westbrook would be open to a buyout, whereas John Wall would not. So maybe there's a difference there for the Houston Rockets if Russ is willing to a buyout if he got traded to the Rockets. That could be dangerous in its own way, by the way. I know a lot of people, there's a lot of people out there that do not like Russell Westbrook, but let me throw this scenario at you. What if the Rockets buy out Russell Westbrook and he goes to the Clippers? The Clippers need a point guard. You know they would be in the mix if Russ got bought out and he would have the benefit of not having to leave Los Angeles. Some people would say, well, he could kind of he, he could torpedo the Clippers because he's not any good. There's that anti-Russ crowd. I still believe Russ has plenty of utility as a player. I don't know if I want the Clippers getting Russell Westbrook if he does get bought out. Anyway, we could see it play out that way. But if you're the Lakers, and let's say you're convinced Russell Westbrook is not going to work, and I don't think this is where the Lakers are at. But if you're convinced Russell Westbrook's not going to work, and you've got the, the trade sitting on the table, Russ and your first for John Wall. And you believe John Wall defensively fits better as a spot-up shooter, fits a little bit better. They do have some of the same flaws as players, John Wall and Russell Westbrook. It's not like it's not like John Wall is even like Malcolm Brogdon, right? Where you could just go, oh, his skill set fits perfect, right? John Wall has some of the same drawbacks to his game as Russell Westbrook does. But you can also say John Wall is probably a better defender. We don't know. We haven't seen John Wall play basketball in a long time. He hasn't played this season. But if anybody would know what John Wall is going to look like on the floor, that's not the Rockets. It's the Lakers, right? Because guess what? John Wall is a clutch sports client. So what if the Lakers, though, are underwhelmed with this whole Russell Westbrook, John Wall, and you've got to throw in your first-round pick? Why might they be underwhelmed with that? Well, first of all, value-wise, that could be a problem. But also, the perception of that. The perception of that is not great, right? If you're the Lakers and you just gave up a bunch of stuff to get Russell Westbrook, and now you have to pay a first-round pick to get rid of him, and you're trading for a guy that just needed a first-round pick to be attached to his contract the last time these two players were swapped, it looks especially bad. It looks like you got taken advantage of. It looks like the Rockets preyed upon your desperation. That's not what the Lakers front office wants. But... But what if you expand the deal? What if you make it a bigger deal? What if it's Russ plus THT plus Kendrick Nunn, maybe a veteran contract in there, and you're getting back John Wall and Eric Gordon? Then are you willing to do that? And I'm not saying value-wise that's the best deal, but you muddy the water a little bit to where maybe the perception's not as bad. Eric Gordon certainly can fit with the Lakers. Is he worth giving up THT, Kendrick Nunn, your first round pick? Does he meet that requirement? Does he clear that bar? I don't know. 
But again, if you're also seeing a Russ for Wall swap as a positive value for the Lakers, which we don't know if they do, maybe that's a way you get around it and you get this deal done. Now, again, I'm not saying that this is the way you... If you're the Lakers and you're thinking about this deal, you have to be, have to be 100% convinced John Wall is a better fit and is ready to play compared to Russell Westbrook. You have to be convinced that this is the move that is going to get things moving forward for you because you're giving up everything you've got left. Everything you've got left is now gone in terms of trade assets. Kendrick Nunn, THT, your pick, all of that, gone. You've got to be convinced that John Wall is the move that fixes this for you. John Wall and Eric Gordon in this scenario. And again, I'm making up that scenario. This is just something I'm pulling from Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer. But it makes some sense if you walk down that path and you think from the Lakers' perspective, if they make that decision, that would be a way to really add enough firepower to potentially get something done in the playoffs. If you've got John Wall and Eric Gordon, who's a, a great shooter, to add to the pieces the Lakers already have, would that be enough for LA? I think it's something that's interesting. It's interesting. It's close enough. It's believable enough to where you have to consider it. You have to think about it. All right. We do need to get into the mailbag section here, but I just want to throw out one other little thing here. The clock is ticking on Stanley Johnson. He signed his 10-day deal on January 27th. Yeah, we've only got a few more days left of Stanley Johnson on the current 10-day contract. And after that, that's it. No more 10-day deals. So, at that point, the Lakers will have to decide. Do we want to give him a long-term contract or not? Or not? Or do we just let him go? Now, Stanley Johnson's been really good for the Lakers. He was key to that win over the Utah Jazz. I can't imagine him going anywhere right now. But they have an open roster spot at the moment. So, let's say you do a trade, and that trade involves bringing back more players. That's great, but you have to have a roster spot in order to accommodate that. So, the window for the Lakers to do one of these trades where they would bring back more players than they send out is closing very quickly because pretty soon they're going to have to use their open roster spot on Stanley Johnson. Now, that doesn't mean, again, in desperation, they have to go out there and swing one of these kinds of deals. Doing the 10-day contracts with Stanley Johnson just kept them open to that possibility should something fall into their laps. But just know... That window is starting to close because in a few more days, the Lakers are going to need to give Stanley Johnson a full contract for the remainder of the season if they want to keep him. Again, I can't imagine them not wanting to keep him. Stranger things have happened in the NBA, but we'd have to think that in the next few days, Stanley Johnson's going to get their final open roster spot, at which point the Lakers will no longer have an open roster spot unless they waive somebody, which I've gone into quite a bit. Financially, that's tough to do. Or you trade somebody. Do something like you did with Rajon Rondo. Pay somebody to take DeAndre Jordan's contract, Kent Bazemore's contract. Maybe you can do, say, a three-for-two trade, like the trade that I'm talking about for John Wall and Eric Gordon, and free up a roster spot that way so you can be a player on the buyout market. Another thing to consider if you're the Los Angeles Lakers as well. All right, I do want to get into the mailbag here. I threw it out there on Twitter. Threw it out also on Instagram. You can follow me at Trevor Lane NBA on Instagram and over on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane because I wanted to get into some fan questions and comments without having the whole show devoted to that. So let's get into that right now. And I'm going to jump over to Instagram first. 
All right, first one I'm going to get into comes from K33 is me. Can the Lakers trade for Harrison Barnes? So let me pull up that contract info. Sacramento Kings, um, Harrison Barnes would be a tremendous fit for the Lakers. He would be fantastic. This is a guy who can shoot. He can play as sort of a small ball four. He can play a three. He can defend a little bit on the perimeter. This is a guy who I like a lot, and he's been in a lot of trade rumors, making $20.2 million. So, yeah, the Lakers could. They would have to package together THT, Kendrick Nott. Of course, they have to be in any deal, plus a veteran minimum, probably getting close enough to go get Harrison Barnes. However, remember, the Kings thought they had a done deal for Buddy Heald. So if the Kings can send him anywhere else other than the Lakers, not to mention the Kings just generally don't like the Lakers because, you know, history and all that. Um, if they could send him anywhere else, they would. They would. And I think he's going to have a lot of suitors. I think he's going to have a lot of suitors out there. So I like him as a target, but I don't know if the Lakers have a path to get to him or if they have the best offer to get him. If they can, great. But I have a feeling like if the Lakers offer and some other team's offer is seen as about even value, they're going to take the other team's offer. That's going to be the challenge for the Lakers in a deal for Harrison Barnes. I think they probably burned some bridges there with the Buddy Heald non-trade in the offseason. Speaking of which, imagine if, let's say the Lakers had done no trade in the offseason. This hurts. This hurts to even say it. But what if the Lakers had done no trade in the offseason? Just kept what they had. Right now, they would have Kyle Kuzma's $13 million contract. A new contract for Caruso at like, what, eight, nine million. You would have THT. You could still have him at nine and a half million. KCP at 13 million. Montrez Harrell has an expiring 10 million. You would have so many different options. Right now, the Lakers, they go to any team and they say, hey, want to make a trade? We're offering Kendrick Dunn, THT, and our first. And if a team says, well, we don't really like THT all that much, what else can you put in? Nothing. That's it. That's it. If they hadn't done any trade in the offseason, remember I said no trade is better than a bad trade. If they hadn't done any trade in the offseason, they could be able to say, oh, you don't like THD? Okay, well here, uh, Kyle Kuzma, that salary fits in. Or KCP, that salary fits in. Or how about Trez? They would have all these different routes that they could go, these different paths. They could stack up all these salaries. They could do so many more things right now, but they are so restricted because of the Russell Westbrook trade. Now, again, I understand what the Lakers were doing there, why they wanted to do this deal, why they thought it might work, but right now you can really see where doing that deal has hurt their ability to negotiate at the trade deadline. All right, let's get into a few more of these questions. <laughs> Somebody said, if you could undo the Westbrook trade, would you do it? Well, good timing based on what I just said. Yeah, I would. I think, look, and I don't hate Russell Westbrook at all. I really want to think it would be a great LA story for him to find success with the Lakers. But I think anybody who says they would not undo that trade is probably not not, not telling the truth or they're just a huge, huge Westbrook fan, which they're, they're, those are out there. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, Devontae Suarez, what do you think of Mo Bamba to the Lakers? Yeah, that's another one where, look, if they are talking a Terrence Ross trade, if there's a way to work Mo Bamba into the deal, 
that's where suddenly a Terrence Ross trade would make more sense to me. If it's Terrence Ross for THT, I don't know. The, the skill set duplication between Terrence Ross and Malik Monk, I don't know if that's a great fit. Now, Terrence Ross is 6'6", so that gives him the ability to defend a little bit more on the perimeter. Not that he's a good defender, but he's got the size, at least, to competently defend some wings. Um, Monk doesn't quite as, what, 6'2", but, but I think this is an interesting thing. If you can somehow move Mobamba into the deal as well, then I think you're mitigating losing the potential of THT and replacing that future potential with Mobamba. Now, you have to pay him after this offseason, so the Lakers will get to audition him for half a season, but it's something that I, I'm, my curiosity is piqued with that for sure. If Mobamba can be, be put into the deal, and who knows, Orlando might really like him. That might be a total non-starter from their part. Don't know. Is a Miles Turner trade financially doable? Yes, but keep in mind, this is coming from uh, Jamie Bisson from Instagram. Yeah, a Miles Turner trade is definitely financially doable. You can make it work. Again, you're stacking up those contracts. THT, Kendrick Nunn, a veteran minimum, and probably stop some sort of picks, whether it's first rounder, Pacers, they've put out there, they want a first. The challenge is he's dealing with an injury, stress reaction in his foot. That can be really bad for a big man. So you'd have to know that he's got a clean bill of health, but you also have to be willing to completely change your strategies, right? Because the Lakers, like we talked about at the beginning, the Lakers have switched to small ball. And if you go trade for Miles Turner, you have to completely undo that. Say, okay, now we're going to play big. We're going to play with Miles Turner in there. Now, he's not a traditional center on the offensive end. He steps out, he shoots threes, he spaces the floor. Great. That helps. That helps. But defensively, you can't switch everything with Miles Turner. He gets torched by guards. They pick on him. So you can't do that like you can with Anthony Davis at the five. Now, of course, the flip side is... My goodness, talk about putting a lid on the basket or a no-fly zone around the rim. Miles Turner's one of the top shot blockers in the NBA. Put him in there with Anthony Davis. Wow, <laughs> that, that could be terrifying for anybody trying to attack the basket against the Los Angeles Lakers. So you can take the good with the bad. You can make an argument for it. I just don't think he's as easy of a fit as some other guys out there like a Jeremy Grant. I think he's a very natural fit, but I'm very skeptical on whether or not the Lakers can actually get in on him. All right, let me move over to Twitter now. So my Twitter account, at Trevor underscore Lane. Let's get into some of the questions from here. Would you trade, this is from Matthew Edwards, would you trade THT, DeAndre Jordan, as salary filler and a pick for Torrey Craig and Justin Holiday? Lakers upgrade by coming out with two big, long athletic players that align better to team needs. I think those are interesting targets. I don't know if you're setting the ceiling high enough. In terms of skill set, those are absolutely guys that can help the Lakers. But are those move-the-needle pieces? So when he says a pick, that's where the little, you know, the, the red flag goes off for me. If you're going to trade your 2027 first, let's assume it's unprotected. Maybe you can protect the pick, but you're going to trade that first. And that's the first round. That's the earliest available first round pick that you've got that you can move five years down the road. Who knows what the Lakers are going to look like five years from now. This can be really dangerous to move a pick like that. So if you're going to do that, you got to be sure that you're getting pieces that are going to really pick you up a notch. And in terms of skill set, I like Justin Holiday and I like Torrey Craig. I think they're guys that could certainly help the Lakers. But if you're going to give up that pick, plus your future potential guy, that as we talked about earlier, you probably believe 
still has plenty of upside because you believe, if you're the Lakers, that this shooting is going to come around. I don't know if you do that. I don't know if the ceiling is high enough with the, those guys, even if the skills the skill set is a great fit. I don't know if that's if that's worth that. I, I certainly wouldn't be over the moon if they if they did that trade because so I think in the short term it helps you, but in the long term, the Lakers could come back to to regret that. Oh, here's a hypothetical: Tombstone Doc, Tombstone Doc, and he's got a little avatar of. Um, Doc Holliday, you know, the famous shootout or infamous shootout at the OK Corral. Well, that he said, if you had to choose option one, fire Vogel and keep the roster as is. Option two, trade Westbrook for anything and keep Vogel. Or option three, keep Vogel and Westbrook and make a small trade. THT, none in the pick. I think option three is the most likely. In fact, Dave McMenamin from ESPN mentioned today that he believes Frank Vogel will finish out the season with the Los Angeles Lakers. Some of you out there agree with that. Some of you disagree with that that stance. But if I had to pick one of those, I think the most likely is three. That Westbrook is going to be so... The John Wall thing aside, Westbrook is going to be so difficult to move. And it's not just Westbrook is you know, a player that's tough to build around or whatever. A lot of that is just his salary, trying to make a deal logistically work on a $44 million contract. How many teams are even willing to take on the next year because he's got a $47 million option for next year that he's all but certain to pick up? So with that being the case, I think option three is probably what you wind up seeing happen. Vogel is the most likely to happen. You keep Vogel, keep Westbrook. You might have wind up making a smaller trade, THT, none, and a pick. All right, uh, somebody from Twitter, I'm Solly, said talk internally with team moves. Bring up lineups that should be playing together without AD versus the Nets, and what do you expect to see with AD? So without AD, I think the Lakers have already shown their cards. Without AD, it's going to be LeBron at center. LeBron will be at the center position when AD's off the floor, except for specific matchups. If it's Nikola Jokic, right? Dwight Howard's going to be in there. DeAndre Jordan, I think his minutes are gone. Okay, so Davis starts at center. When Davis goes out, LeBron's running center. I think that's what the rotation's going to look like. I'll also say, though, I think we're at a point with the Lakers where the Trevor Ariza thing, it's not working. It's not working. And I understand what Frank Vogel's been going for. I understand. He's been trying to put together this bench group that's full of all the young, pretty quick players to let them feed off of each other. So it's Malik Monk, it's Austin Reeves, it's Stanley Johnson, THT, all these guys together in a bench unit. And sometimes he puts LeBron into that mix and there can be some decent synergy there. But then that means your starting unit. It's all your older guys. It's Dwight, it's LeBron, it's Avery Bradley, it's Ariza, right? You've got all these older players in there. Of course, Russell Westbrook and Ariza in particular has looked out of place. I'm at a point, especially with AD coming back, where I'm not totally out on Ariza. I think that he can can contribute. He's taken a little while to really get his legs under him, did come back from ankle surgery, so that's important to note. But I think you can demote Ariza without making it look like a demotion because Anthony Davis is coming back. So you can shuffle some things under the guise of, well, this, this group fits best. If it's me, if it's me, Russ, LeBron, AD, they're starting. You know who else is starting? Stanley Johnson and probably Austin Reeves. Okay? If not Austin Reeves, it's Malik Monk. And that would be buying into this idea that Monk 
kind of lost some of his powers when he got moved back to the bench because Monk as a starter was fantastic. In fact, you can make an argument that Monk should be the guy in there just based on the scoring burst that he's going to give you and the floor spacing. I'm kind of talking myself into this here. I do think that I probably go Monk over Reeves. I like Reeves a lot. You guys know that. But Austin Reeves, I think, can fit in just about anywhere. And so I would use that to my advantage and see if bumping him back into the starting lineup reignites Monk. So that's the starting group that I would roll with now that AD's coming back. AD, LeBron, Russ, Stanley Johnson, Malik Monk. That's what I'm going with for me. Justin Harris said, what about packaging Russ, THT, none, a first rounder, and two seconds for John Wall and Christian Wood? So this is kind of a variation of the Eric Gordon deal that I floated, just changing the target to Christian Wood. Sure, sure. It's interesting, but again, then you are committing to two big lineups, right? To Anthony Davis and Christian Wood, which, I mean, look, you've got two extremely lengthy players. Both can step out and shoot a little bit. There's there's some, some possibilities there. But kind of like Miles Turner, you're no longer playing small ball. And that's the shift the Lakers have made. They've been moving in that direction. You're immediately hitting the brakes on that and going the opposite direction if you go make a trade for a big like that. Okay, Mo Bamba, Mo Bamba being an option from the Orlando Magic, I don't consider that because he's, he's a guy you can plug in off the bench. He's not immediately going into the starting lineup. If you trade for Miles Turner, if you trade for Christian Wood, those guys are starting. Those guys are starters. Mo Bamba, you could plug in situationally. Um, so I don't think you would have to change your whole strategy if you were to do that. If you were to do it, though, with Christian Wood, you're completely throwing away small ball for the time being, except for maybe with your bench unit. So that's the holdup for something like that. Uh, Lakers view said, Trevor, would you want a stretch big or defensive forward? Give me the defensive forward for sure. I think the Lakers need more wing defenders. They always do. It's something that you can't have enough of in the NBA. You need wing defenders, especially when you're running up against some of the high scoring wings come playoff time in the NBA. Like let's say Paul George is back. Kawhi Leonard is back. Any of these guys, you need defensive wings. So that's the way I would go. And I think it offers you more flexibility in terms of playing big or playing small if you have a solid wing defender that you can put out there uh realistically speaking this is from uh 456 migs realistically speaking is there a chance for the lakers to have a comeback this season a chance sure sure there's a chance and a lot of people have asked me what's your gut feeling what are the lakers going to do this season predict into the future Look, if i knew the future i'd be making a killing on the stock market and buying lottery tickets right? I can't tell you exactly what's going to happen. All we can do is make educated guesses. Is there a chance for the Lakers to come back? Sure. Is it as strong of a chance as what we saw at the beginning of the season coming into the season? Is there, is there odds of winning a championship at that level? No, no. What does it take? Most likely the number one thing, as much as we want to talk trade and it's a lot of fun, the number one thing the Lakers need is Anthony Davis to be MVP caliber Anthony Davis. I don't know if he can get there. I don't know. But if he can, that changes a lot. That changes a lot from the Lakers side of things. You get that out of AD, make a few little tweaks here and there, maybe something on the trade market. That's your path to getting yourself back in the mix. That's it. Now, that's threading the needle, though. That's not easy to do. That's much easier said than done. So I would not expect it. I would not expect it. But there is a path right there. Some people bringing up, uh, Robert Covington 
if he could, if you could trade for him. That is a guy that's out there on the market. The Blazers have made it very clear. He's got a $12.9 million expiring contract. My question is, do you want to give up THT to get him? He's averaging about seven and a half points per game right now. Shooting okay. I mean, he's a he's a stretch big. He's a stretch big that gives you defensive versatility, switchiness on that end of the floor. I don't know if I'm parting with THT to get him, although he would be a great fit. He'd be a great fit for the Lakers, but I don't know if I'm willing to make that sacrifice with Taylor Horton Tucker to get an expiring Robert Covington because Taylor Horton Tucker, THT in theory could be with the Lakers for the next 10 years. Maybe, maybe he really hits and this has all been, the shooting has all been about his thumb injury and things come together with his game and he is a great player from here, right? And he does a great job and he could be a Laker for the next 10 years. Robert Covington, that's not the case. His contract expires after this year. Who knows where he goes? You could be talking about a rental of a couple of months of Robert Covington, and then you're giving up one of your biggest trade assets. So that's where I would pause, not to say Robert Covington is a bad player, because he's not. I like him a lot, and I like his fit. But given that the piece you have to trade, just in terms of making the contracts work, is THT? I don't know if I'm going there. I don't know if I'm going there where there with that. All right. Let's do one more. Somebody said, why is everyone giving up on none? Agreed. Look, the Lakers went after him for a, for a reason, and I don't think we should completely give up on him. I know it's frustrating that he's been out hurt, but if he does get healthy and can get back out there, I think the Lakers are expecting him to contribute. Let me finish with this. Alan Bryant said, trade everyone, including Anthony Davis. That's the knee-jerk reaction from Lakers fans right now. There's a lot of frustration out there. Look, I get it. For being honest, that's what I try to do here as much as I possibly can is just be honest on things in terms of trades and things like that. I don't put stuff out there and say that something is happening when we know that at best it's a rumor. I try to tell you guys what's a rumor, what's speculation, what angle should we be looking at things from. I try to keep things grounded in reality as much as I can during this crazy time. But... This reaction of get rid of everybody, trade everybody, get everybody out of here. I understand there's that, that just natural feeling of lashing out. Because let's face it, this season has not been fun. It's not been fun. I've had a lot of people say to me, say to me, Trevor, I liked the Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram days better than this season. Even though the Lakers are winning way more right now. Because back then, we knew they were going to be bad. We knew they were going to be bad, and so we didn't care that much about wins or losses. We were focusing on the development of the kids. So if they lost, they lost. Right? Big deal. This team, though, has LeBron. You're wasting one of the last good years that he's got. It's got AD. It's got Russell Westbrook. You've got these big stars, guys who are former MVPs, all defensive players, all these names, and they're struggling. And sometimes we see a lack of effort. They're not fun to watch. I understand that. I understand that, and there's some truth to it. But, again, other teams around the NBA see this too. And if you're going to sell low on guys right now, which in my opinion, if you were to try to trade AD right now, you're probably selling low. I don't know if you're going to like the return. Sometimes no trade is better than a bad trade. I've said this a few times already on this show. And we'll say it again one more time. No trade can be better than a bad trade. It usually is better than a bad trade. So, if you're the Lakers and you start this fire sale, shipping out everybody you possibly can, well, that could really come back to haunt you in the long term. 
sometimes patience, as much as it's not fun, right? It's not fun because when things are not going well, you want to change everything. Sometimes patience is the key. Really can be. So with that being said, hang in there. Hang in there. Remember, Lakers Nation, we've seen worse. We've seen teams that have won less than this. And I know this hasn't been a fun season of basketball. But again, we're tough. We've been through a lot. We've been through a lot. Speaking of which, I do want to end with this. We are now, by the time you're watching this or listening to this, um, a day away from the anniversary of Kobe and Gianna Bryant's death. And you guys can see why I didn't want to, want to lead off the show with this. Um, this is, it's always a tough time for, for Lakers fans. Tough time for me. I mean, I, I always think back to where I was and, and all of that kind of stuff. And I don't want to delve too much into that right now. All I want to leave you with is this. I've been doing this for a long time. I've been at this for a while. I've been with Lakers Nation for a long time. And that's allowed me to make a lot of connections within the Lakers community. That's allowed me to feel the, the power of, of Lakers Nation, right? Of all of us, this incredible fan base, this incredible group of people that are all coming together to support this team. But the silver lining, if I even want to go as far to say it that, to describe it as that, was that when what happened happened, with that tragedy, I've never seen so many people come together to support each other the way that they did for a sports team. Certainly we saw people, we've seen people deal with tragedies throughout history. We've seen 9-11, right? So many people pitching in and helping out. But in terms of a sports team, so many Lakers fans leaning on each other. And it really was heartwarming to see how many people within even our just Lakers Nation community reaching out to other people that they didn't even know aside from maybe an online presence, checking in with people. People would post something about how, about how much they were struggling to deal with what was going on, and people were reaching out, saying, hey, there's people out here who care. Do you, do you need somebody to talk to? Can I be there for you? That blew me away. That blew me away, and that is something that I always, when I think about what happened and we come up on the anniversary, I always think about that, about how the community really came together to support each other. And I think that speaks to the way Kobe brought people together. Because there was so much about Kobe that we all want to see in ourselves. Some things we don't, right? Kobe was obsessive. Kobe was at three in the morning. He's going to work out because he's so just maniacally focused on basketball. And that's Kobe. And that's a testament to what made him so great. But he also went after it unabashedly. When I set his goals high and he pursued them relentlessly. And this is part of what made Kobe so relatable. It's this struggle that he had, not necessarily against his opponent on the basketball floor, but against himself. The struggle against himself and his own mortality, the, the shortcomings of the human body. He was constantly trying to push himself to get better, to get faster, to get stronger, more skilled, everything he possibly could to maximize every single ounce of basketball talent that he had within himself. And then he focused his attention elsewhere on his creative projects, on, on being a father and all of these different things. He was constantly trying to be the best version of himself. And he came up short many, many times. But here's the thing, and this is what we all kind of looked at in admiration with Kobe, said he knew that if he had to run through a brick wall to get to where he wanted to be, he knew that ultimately he was going to do it. 
He might crash into that wall a few times and it's going to hurt. But sooner or later, the wall is going to break and that's going to happen long before he breaks. And so that type of mentality, that type of message, whether we want to call that Mamba mentality or not, that's something that I think about as well. So first and foremost, it's the sense of community that we saw that Lakers Nation saw. And again, it's because of that connection that everybody had. So there was this empathy from everybody experiencing the same emotions at the same time. There's a connectiveness that comes with that. And so I remember that aspect of the day, and I try to think about that, try to do something for someone else. I think that's a good way to honor Kobe Bryant. And then the second piece, take a look at your own life. What is it that you really want to accomplish and get after it? Go for it. Life's too short not to. We look at Kobe Bryant, Mamba mentality. There's all this admiration for him, but it's also an opportunity to step back, reflect upon your own life and think about where it is that you really want to go. What is it that you really want to accomplish and refocus yourself on those goals? Because we know Kobe was very goal oriented. So I always think of this day as being an opportunity to do that as well. Again, number one, the sense of community, doing something for somebody else. And number two, assessing your own life and where it is that you want to be and setting those goals. All right, before I get too, too preachy here, let's call it a day on that one. This was supposed to be like a half hour show, but this is what happens when I start talking about trades in the future. These shows will be probably more in the 20 to 30-ish minute range. But again, never know once we start talking Lakers basketball, sometimes we wind up on a whole different path. But thank you everybody for joining me, all of you who are watching and listening as well. If you're listening over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever, make sure you do follow us there and over on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe and don't forget to turn on those notifications as well. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.